Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The hour and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've had a good show so far. As we continue to roll on with our show, we've got another chance to interview a acclaimed person in the soccer world, and uh, I like it. I like it just the way you describe people, Simon, so I'll let you give the accolades and the resume of who we're about to speak with. Well, this is a man that is is widely known in the uh, U.S. soccer world, probably worldwide as well. Uh, he helped start up the Chicago Fire. He's responsible for getting that beautiful stadium down in Bridgeview. Um, he's helped start up the Indy 11, and, and the work that they have done is amazing. And now we have him on two up front. We'd like to call him Mr. Soccer. He is Mr. Peter Wilt. Peter, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much, guys. Great to be on with you. Absolutely, Peter. Well, we've got a lot of, I'm sure we've got a ton of questions we want to get to right away, but first and foremost, Chicago, the NASL, what the heck is going on? It looks like you guys are trying to bring another team to, to the Chicago area. Can you shed a little bit of light on what's going on down there? We are in the uh, formative stages, I guess you could say, of, of bringing the North American Soccer League team uh, to the city of Chicago. Uh, uh, last Monday, or I guess two Mondays ago, we had our website launch at the Globe Pub that served as kind of an introduction to the team, and it went over very well. It was a, a packed uh, venue, some uh, a great cross-section of supporters there from the professional and amateur soccer w- world, uh, adult and youth, and, um, I, I, and I think it was really well received in terms of the idea of having a second team in the Chicagoland area, and the idea of having one specifically in the city of Chicago. We still have some loose ends to tie up in terms of a venue, uh, which will lead to closure of our investment group, and uh, then that will lead to uh, the formal application with the North American Soccer League with the hopeful acceptance in time to play our first game in 2017. Are you, in speaking of a venue, are you looking to uh, build a new venue, or are you probably going to share with uh, either a local university or a pre-established uh, venue down in the Chicago area? In the short term, we're looking at using uh, one of the major venues in Chicago land, likely Soldier Field, who we are engaged in discussions with. Uh, for the long term, we would like to build a soccer-centric stadium in the city, in the 20,000 uh, to 25,000 seat range. Uh, but the first priority is to secure that short-term venue. And I, I think uh, Soldier Field would make a, a good solution for us in that nice soccer fans place. are used to going there for games, going back to the Chicago Sting days. 
uh, and then obviously the Chicago Fire and international soccer matches as well. So you brought up the Chicago Sting, and Peter, I'm I'm old enough to remember uh, a few of the uh, Chicago Sting games. Um, speaking of that, is is there any talk of possibly the Chicago Sting name returning to uh, to this club if uh, if if all goes well? Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, that one of the questions on the website, and we have a survey that has maybe four or five, maybe six uh, short questions. One of them is asking the fans what they think the name of the team should be. Peter Wilt we FC. Sting is a specific option, uh, but it's an open-ended question. Uh, and I, I will say that in the early going, the first 500 or so responses, uh, almost uh, half of them uh, mentioned Sting. So it's certainly a popular uh, name, uh, especially with, I'll say, my generation, and I'm in my mid-50s, for people that remember the Sting. It has a a warm spot in in their hearts because of the championships the team won in the original NASL in 1981 and 84. That being said, more than half of the entries are not Chicago Sting, and most of those are coming from uh, younger generations, uh, young adults, uh, which frankly will be a key uh, market for this team, the uh, millennial generation, especially those living in the city. Uh, so um, we still have some ways to go before deciding exactly what the name will be. All right, and uh, Peter, another question for you. You've been honest with everybody. I, I think I read this in the Chicago Tribune about how you've said, you know, it's it's not going to be the world's best soccer with this team. It's it's not going to be the world's best players. Um, so then the obvious question is, is how do you sell a club like this then to the public? Yeah, no, that's a, a great comment or question. And I would say we would go about it the same way we did in Indianapolis with Indy 11, and to a large extent with the Chicago Fire in the early years, where you create a team in conjunction with the community so that they really believe that this is their team, that there's emotional connections to the players and the uniforms and uh, the representation of it, so that this team is part and parcel of the community, and they want to cheer for that team regardless of the caliber of play. Uh, because in the United States at this time, we do not have the best soccer in the world. True. And soccer fans can watch better soccer for less money with less inconvenience by staying at home and turning on their TV or the computer and watching international soccer. So we have to find other ways to do it, create those emotional connections, largely through partnerships is what we did in Indianapolis. We created these uh uh, tie-ins with various cultural, civic, uh, corporate, and sporting organizations that really allow them to be part and parcel of the team, of Indy 11. And I think there's a need and a desire in Chicago, especially in the city, to have uh, similar relationships with this new team. Now, you guys talk about doing the, the team in the Chicago area. Are you going to to aim more towards having a partnership with the Chicago Fire and even the Chicago Red Stars and even the Chicago Mustangs indoor soccer team at all? Or is it going to be your own separate entity that operates the way you want to? Or are you going to try to unify Chicago soccer, professional soccer as a whole? Well, absolutely. We're going to seek partnerships with all of them. And we've already had initial conversations um, 
with the ownership of the Chicago Mustangs and the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, I've reached out and connected with the general manager and president of, uh, or CEO of the Chicago Fire. Uh, so with the soccer professional, other professional soccer clubs in town, absolutely we want to have relationships with them. You know, I'll be attending the uh, Chicago Fire uh, season kickoff luncheon on Monday at the Hyatt Regency, um, showing my support for them. I also have a season ticket that I've renewed um, uh, for the Chicago Fire. Uh, obviously, I'm a member of the Ring of Fire, and I feel part and parcel of that organization that I started. And, and, and having uh, their support and cooperation uh, will be important uh, and, and, and will obviously support and promote uh, the fire as well. Well, and with that, obviously you believe that Chicago is a market that can that can support two professional teams. Um, along with that, it's kind of a similar question, but but kind of different as well. You've had your hand in a lot of a lot of organizations, Peter. You've had a lot of successes, and then you know us being from Milwaukee, at least uh, Baxter was down in Florida when when you were trying to get an MLS team here. You and I both know that the uh, city council made that extremely difficult. Um, but I'm curious if you could. If you could perhaps walk us through the evolution that you've had in the game with, you know, from starting up the uh, Chicago Fire to starting up the Indy 11, and if that process has changed at all. <laughs> uh, it, it's fine. My, my start in soccer, like yours, goes before that. Um, in fact, Simon, I remember working with your, your dad uh, <sighs> Back in the mid 1980s, sure, uh, working to promote soccer when I was with the Milwaukee Wave, and then I went on to the Chicago Power and Continental Indoor Soccer League and Minnesota Thunder, all before starting the Chicago Fire. So, you know, my perspective doesn't start in 1997 with the Fire; it, it goes at least a decade before that, and even earlier as a Chicago Sting fan. And I can tell you that the landscape for professional soccer. In this country uh, and in Wisconsin, to be specific, has grown immensely. Hmm. But what's interesting is it hasn't been an overnight revolution, which I think a lot of people had been looking for when they were saying it's the sport of the 70s, then the sport of the 80s, the sport of the 90s, and so on. Instead, what's happened, it's been an evolution, not that revolution. And it's slowly but surely become ingrained in the mainstream of American society. And it's happened in three groups that have all grown from a niche to a sizable population. And uh, that includes that young adult millennial generation I talked about, the 18 to 34-year-olds that grew up playing the sport and now actively watch it. They play FIFA on the video games. And the second important demographic is the suburban youth soccer families, which has grown exponentially since the North American Soccer League brought the professional game to a high visibility level in the United States in the 1970s with Pele and into the 80s. The seeds they laid grew into today's burgeoning youth soccer community, and that was enhanced by the World Cups in the 90s, the Men's World Cup in 94, and importantly, the Women's World Cup in 1999. And then uh, finally, uh, the ever-growing population of immigrants, the new Americans to America, have really brought soccer with them. And 
added the sport to the mainstream. All three of those demographics are, are growing and making a greater impact. And there are studies, uh, specifically the ESPN Lucre poll, that's been done since uh, the early 90s that simply asked Americans, what's your favorite sport as a spectator? And professional soccer was not in the top four uh, for the first mm -hmm. uh, 18 years of that poll. And then in 2012, it broke through, knocked out professional hockey and auto racing, and is now in the top four uh, with a bullet. It's rising. And that's among ages 12 plus. Among ages 12 to 24, uh, it's number two, and that's only going to grow. Right, and I, I know that, uh, you know, I read the article on that as well where um – I believe it was the president of ESPN or, or somebody, one of the higher-ups at ESPN had said, you know, the thing about soccer is all the other established sports, they're where they're going to be, and they're they're not necessarily going to grow. They're not mm -hmm. necessarily going to go down. They've but kind of soccer, almost reached their peak, yeah. Right, but soccer has such a high potential. And, yep. and uh, one of the things I wanted to add to that, Peter, you kind of hit on it, is the way I see it as well. Um, you know, yeah, people in the with the NASL, the original NASL talking about how, yeah, now soccer's going to take off, and we didn't see it, we didn't see it. It was those seeds that were planted. And along with that, you know, I've got, I've got two younger daughters. One of them doesn't play, but one of them does, and she absolutely loves it. Of course, all my brother's kids play. So it's kind of like if you, if you look at the family tree, mm -hmm. it just keeps spreading and getting wider and that's wider what you and wider. Want, yep. and, and now you have, you've got a second generation that's watching MLS, that's watching NASL, that's yep. going out to their local USL teams. Um, so it is, we talked about this with Rob Stone as well, is uh, it's exciting times. It's exciting times in this, it is, yeah. for and, this game. And even kind of going off of that too for a second, even when I was a kid growing up in Florida and I would watch MLS games, the, the one MLS game on ESPN or something that would be shown you know, every month or two, I would kind of get made fun of by my friends. They're like, why are you watching MLS? Even though I was in high school and that was, you know, I'm not even that old, even though that was like six or seven years ago, is because nobody watched it really. Nobody cared that, you know, the Chicago Fire were playing on TV and then Finally, it started to make a breakthrough, and I still, you know, was still kind of following the league a little bit because I'm a born and bred New England Revolution fan. But because they beat the Chicago Fire on Taylor Twellman's goal <laughs> kick, uh, bicycle kick, but that's irrelevant to the conversation anyway. But it's it's amazing to see though. How the, many MLS cups has New England won? <laughs> exactly, I know that's the biggest comeback Touché. anybody ever has for me. They're like, oh, how how many cups have they won? I'm like, you know what? They've been there more than most teams have, but you know, they just they, don't, they give them time. Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> Buffalo and New England, they're the best teams, uh, best teams ever. But even the way, though, the growth, though, is, 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 amaz is amazing to see. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about really fast, just kind of changing gears over to the fire for a second, and I'm, I'm just curious to get your opinion about this, Peter, is that last week uh, or two weeks ago, um, one of the best up-and-coming players in Major League Soccer found himself traded. Uh, Harry Ship. he was a part of the Chicago Fire organization, arguably the most liked player in the organization, and now he finds himself in Montreal. What was your just initial reaction? I know you, like I said, you have you have your ties to the organization, but just from a, an outsider looking in, what did you think about that, that whole deal and seeing probably the most popular player in the city, for the Chicago Fire at least, finding himself, pardon the pun, getting shipped off to the Montreal Impact? Yeah, Harry Ship's trade was a um, it was a real blow to the uh, hardcore fans of the fire, including myself. Yeah, I understand it on a competitive level. I think ultimately it likely could should make the fire a better team. I think uh, Coach Ponovich wants to have a bit of a clean slate that he can start from, and this trade will help in that regard. 
I think it also opens up a key position on the team to bring in an international uh, playmaker uh, who may have uh, better technical qualities than Harry that may ultimately help the team win. Uh, the other side of it, though, is the emotional side and the cultural side, I'll say. I, I think Harry uh, is a special player on the fire for a couple of reasons. Certainly he's, he's talented and still has an upside. Hopefully will continue to de- develop and maybe even become a U.S. national team fixture at some point. Uh, but m- maybe more important to that is his, his background uh, as a fire fan. Yeah. You know, growing up in the Chicago suburbs, I, I, I know his dad and I know Harry um, was a fire fan as, as a little kid growing up and those posters of the fire on his wall. Yep. And having a player like that in your organization can really be a positive in the culture of, of the club and a representative of the club. Um, and it's a tough thing to balance. And, you know, being a Green Bay Packer fan, I had a hard time when Brett Favre uh, was traded. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that really made an impact on me as a fan for, for many years. I'm, I'm frankly still struggling to get over. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm the guy that traded Peter Novak away from uh, the Chicago Fire. <laughs> so I understand uh, both sides of the equation. It's difficult. I will say as a, a new sh- team in Chicago, uh, I would love to have a carry ship uh, uh back in the city of Chicago playing soccer someday. Well, you know, what it does speak to is what you were talking about earlier, Peter, is that, you know, Harry Ship, he's a great player. Is he world-class? No, he's not world-class. Not yet. But the fans had an emotional attachment yeah. to him just like he had And you saw that, too, in his letter that he wrote to the fans. Right, I think yeah, that absolutely. was very, very heartfelt. And you could tell that he was, he, he didn't, I mean, he he's excited for the new opportunity, but he, he secretly, I think he was not very happy about it. He's like, look, I don't want to leave my hometown. This is the team I grew up wanting to play for, sure. you know, as a kid. And now I have to go to Canada and play with Didier Drogba. Well, and it also speaks to what we're talking about here is how much this game has progressed, that you have fans very emotionally attached mm-hmm. to their local clubs. Exactly. Fans that even like a team like Chicago, you know, you, you grew up watching the fire and you wanted to play for the fire. I mean, you know, that not to take anything against away from the fire, but how many kids do you see that grow up watching the fire saying, that's the team I want to play for? Usually it's, oh, I want to go to play for Manchester United. I want to play for Arsenal. Harry Ship wanted to play for the Chicago Fire and he got to do that and lived out his dream for at least two seasons. And now we're hoping there'll be uh, young kids out there that'll get emotionally attached to the new Chicago NASL club yet to be named. Um, and that's that is where it all starts, you know, Peter. You talked about how you can go and watch the Premier League on TV. That yeah, maybe you can go out to a pub and and have a good time with your buddies. But I will say, there is nothing like going to the stadium and experiencing yep. it firsthand, no Absolutely. matter what level of soccer we're talking about. It, it is about the overall fan experience, and that includes the play on the field, includes the environment uh, that the fans themselves create, uh, and that's one of the reasons I think Soldier Field would be a great venue for us. It's a a first-class venue with great amenities, accessible by public transportation, opportunities for tailgating, uh, high-end amenities for suites and club seat holders. Fans are familiar with the location because of Bears games and international soccer matches. So uh, it, it's, it's a great place to watch soccer, and we're looking forward to, to, uh, to viewing it, hopefully there. Uh, but still to be determined in 2017. Well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Before we let you go, uh, why don't you give us the website that you guys have launched and any social media that people can look at as well? 
Great. The website is uh, www.chicagonasl.com, and there's a survey on there we'd love um, fans to fill out, and uh, that way they can get more information about it, as well as uh, a supporters' trust that uh, we plan on launching that will give fans the opportunity to be actual owners in this team, which is something very unique and made possible only by recent legislation enacted by the state of Illinois. And then also they can follow us on Twitter, at Chicago NASL, and there's a Facebook page for Chicago NASL as well. Excellent. Well, Peter, you've uh, you, you've done so much for the game in this country. I personally want to thank you for that. Um, personally, want to thank you for coming on the show today, for helping us relaunch two up front as well. We're hoping to grow just as you're hoping to grow. I uh, couldn't think of a better person to have on for our first show in this Absolutely. new era of two up front. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Take care, guys. All right. You thank too. you so Thanks, much, Peter. Peter Wilt, Mr. Soccer, a fantastic person, not only in the soccer world, but for the growth of soccer. Uh, in the United States as well. So we are going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more soccer talk to get to. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.